What's going on, guys? This is Caleb here with the Catch the Fever Fishing Podcast uh, coming back at you. And I'm really excited about today's uh, podcast, who we're going to be talking with. Uh, This is somebody who is a good friend of mine uh, personally, uh, who's a great angler, somebody who does a really good job uh, out on the river fishing uh, a lot of river systems. And uh, it's a good friend of mine, Captain Trey Thorpe with Fishing with Fat Guide Surf out on the James River. Trey, how are you doing today? Thank you so much for being here. Oh, I'm doing well, Caleb. Thanks for having me. Uh, yeah. It's a pleasure to be here. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's good to have you on this show. You know, I've been talking with Trey for, for a while about getting together and, and doing something like this and shooting some video. The, the reason why is, is uh, Trey's a... Uh, uh, a, a guide you 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 you're guiding now and on the james river and uh uh doing a great job out there and 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 trey really performs on the water he puts in uh you know nothing to him he's out there on the water pounding the boat ramps and he's got a wealth of knowledge so something like this has been in the making for a while uh so it's it's, it's good to finally make that happen so trey if, if you would just take a minute and introduce yourself to uh the listeners tell them who you are uh you know kind of where you fish and uh kind of a little bit of how you got started so they know know uh, a little bit about you all right well yeah first off thanks for all the kind words there uh, i've always made the joke you know the james river is a special river system all its own it does uh it does the work for us we just are too dumb to quit most of the time <laughs> you know i mean yeah it's uh it's one of the things you know it, uh we've been specifically targeting trophy cats for probably the last six to eight years um i had a couple of buddies got me into it i used to do a bunch of bass fishing and growing up i uh, did a bunch of saltwater offshore and in the bay and as i got older the bay fishing kind of died off a bit uh, as most uh, anybody that fishes the uh, chesapeake bay right now can kind of tell you uh, the it, it, fishing just hadn't been like it's supposed to be. Uh, that's a whole nother issue, but right. Um, either way, that kind of led me to, to closer waters where, where I could, you know, attempt to consistently catch 50, 50 pound fish. Uh, and that, that's kind of been my, my goal for the last two seasons was I, I, well, the year before, I guess three years ago, I, when I was considering, going for my captain's license getting everything started and and actually starting a guide service i was like well look can i go out there and every time i go out there catch 50 pound fish i left the water a lot more often than not without that goal being met right right Um, but it's you know facebook and instagram and all the social medias they they only show you the good days and the 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 few good moments of these trips you know, you spend days and weeks out there looking for, looking for what we look for. We're essentially uh, looking for 0.2 percent of the catfish population in the James River is what we're targeting, and that's a. Uh, once you really look at the figures and stuff, that's kind of, it. It'll humble you to what you really can accomplish. Absolutely, absolutely, and uh, you know the James River. You know that's that's something that's not real far. Even from where we're based uh, here in North Carolina, catch the fever is, you know, James River's about two hours away. And uh, we've seen that, too. You know, a lot of people say, man, if I can just go to the James River, I know I'm just going to catch an absolute monster. But 
there are a lot of really good sized fish in there, but just like you said, uh, you know, for anybody who's listening, you know, if you're interested in, in coming out here and kind of learning your bearings, trying to, to understand the river, uh, getting somebody, you know, somebody and really pounded the boat ramps like Trey has, he'd be a great option uh, to kind of educate you on the river because there is a lot of really good good fish out there. It's just uh, really learning to find them and, uh, and, and what to look for in the current. And that's kind of what I'm going to uh, – start out with talking to you about Trey uh you know when when you get to the James uh you know a lot of people you know they realize that it's it's a tidal river so you got you know current flowing uh down river uh you know four hours four four and a half hours and then uh it turns right around and it flows back the other way uh for a lot of guys who who traditionally fish rivers uh, that that messes a lot of people up, you know. I mean, they're not used to seeing that. And I, I've gotten the uh, opportunity to fish the Ohio and uh, a few other rivers that were not tidal. And I mean, the Upper James above Richmond, not tidal. Uh, and that's a that's an amazing flathead fishery as well. Um, I shouldn't have said that on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Either way, uh, spilled the beans on that one. Um, but. Uh, you know, I mean, it's it's kind of a benefit, honestly, the way I look at it comparing the two. Because, like you said, every four days, it, it, it's usually about a six-hour turn. Um, and then the tide will go slack for five to ten minutes. And then it'll start rolling back in the opposite direction. Uh, the thing is, is there's a million variables to that. Whether, it, you know, you've been getting a lot of rain way up in the mountains or you haven't been getting any rain or it's a full moon uh the tides the heights and the times are all more of a guesstimate so you just kind of got to feel for it and see what you got but where i look at it as a benefit against regular rivers and reservoirs or lakes and stuff like that is every six to eight hours these fish have to get up and they have to move if not they're gonna get smacked against whatever piece of structure they were currently laying behind Right. So when that slack tide gets ready to turn or the current lightens up, those fish know it's time to, you know, it's time to either reposition, move on, or do something else. Any, right. any of those options involve them moving and giving you an opportunity to get a good fish. Um, everybody asks me what's my favorite tide, you know, that like the tide affects the bite. It doesn't, it doesn't, but. I always tell them as long as it's moving and at the same time when it starts to slow down, that's, that's my favorite time. Right. Cause right. they're going to get up and move. They have to. Yep. Well, speaking of, of, of moving and there's going to be a lot of things, there might be some listeners who's listening who's like, you know, I don't know if this episode really applies to me. I don't fish a tidal river, but you know, hang in there guys, because there's going to be some stuff that we talk with that trade where, you know, regardless of which way the tide's moving, the current is flowing and those fish are going to position themselves. So if you're not in a tidal uh, uh, river like the James or like the Potomac or places like that, you know, you can still get a wealth of knowledge with how fish, you know, position themselves with stuff we're going to talk about with Trey. And You talked about moving, the fish moving, Trey. What, what is some of the habits that you've seen that, you know, some of the bigger fish uh, have, uh, do you know when 
when, when the tide's going out or, or weather is coming in, what's, what's some key areas that you're kind of looking for? I mean, are you looking more for where bait's at? Are you looking using your fish finder and, and trying to mark big fish on the channel? Or are you looking at structure? And, you know, what kind of areas are you looking for? Or what are you targeting? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, honestly, the, like I said, the tide is, is just one of the many, many factors you have to consider. And you can't over, you can't put too much thought into the tide. As long as you have current moving and the wind direction is not going the exact opposite direction of the tide flow, you should be able to generally fish that area. Um, fish movement is, it's, it's all still very similar to reservoirs and, and regular rivers. You're going to have, you know, yearly and annual type movements, and then you're going to have weather related movements and bait related movements. And, and, in all honesty, if you focus on the catfish movements, you'll drive yourself crazy. It's there's just too many variables to focus on. So focus on something a little more predictable and that's the bait movements. Right. Gizzard shed, whether it be white perch, whether it be hickories or Americans that are running up the river in the spring, target those. If you can figure out those bait patterns and what those fish are doing, the big catfish back will be far behind it whether it means you, you found bait in 10 foot of water. All right, let's go set up on this 15 foot ledge. Right. Something close. In reality, if you find the bait, you find the fish. You're not far from them. Right. Um, and, and different types of, like if a cold front comes in, you, you want to fish a little closer to any type of structure, whether wooden structure usually seems to produce a little better or, if you could find rocks or riprap or any type of anything that would hold heat uh, more than, you know, your standard water temperature, uh, I think those generally tend to benefit you when the fish seem to have lockjaw or you, know, you just can't seem to buy a bite. Uh, and I mean, depth range is also something to consider, but that's also yearly kind of a thing. Right, right. So, so cold pat when a, when a cold front comes through, uh, you you generally want to look for places that are tighter to the cover, like you said, stuffed objects that that may hold uh, heat. I know there's some barges and stuff like that on the James. So you're saying you know all stuff like that, uh, you know wood, uh, some of those ships that uh, back in the day that actually were sunk out there on that river. So you're saying those are, those are key places, you know, if you're dealing with the cold front that you definitely want to look at fishing a lot tighter to. Oh yeah. And any type of falling down piers or, I mean, realistically structure is such a, a, a wide, uh, it's such a, such a broad term for what we're talking about. Cause I mean, structure could be two little pebbles and a five foot mud flat that goes on for a quarter mile. Right. Uh, it could be, a muscle bed or a grass pile or a single piling randomly in the middle of the river. You know, it, it, it all depends. I, I always say these fish, especially on James are, are they're individuals. They're just like people. They have their own attitudes and their own temperaments. And the ones with the nastiest attitudes generally become the biggest fish. So you got to be prepared to deal with, I don't know if I'm just not that smart, but I like to think of these fish as pretty, pretty smart oh they yeah don't, 
they don't get that big by being dumb and a lot of these fish have been hooked before they know how to get off the hook at times it's 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 a crazy experience out there every single time and it's always different absolutely absolutely well we're coming up on uh you know fall time fishing uh you're feeling it i'm feeling it you know people people uh, out west coming down south uh they're starting to feel the nights get a whole lot colder uh it's starting to really feel good out um what are you seeing right now as for as far as bait wise do you see in in the fall times uh going into winter do you typically see you know an appetite change for these fish are they coming off from say eating like something like perch to start to eat shad or vice versa or what what do you start to see the appetites do for these fish what's some of the key baits that you really start to try to focus on I mean, gizzard shad is king on that river, plain and simple. Um, you can use that every single time you go out, and you should catch fish. Um, a lot of the old school guys and the old timers swear up and down summertime's a perch time, and I agree. I know they come up in the river, and they come in there pretty thick, and I know the fish will feed on them. Um, but it's just hit and miss. Sometimes it takes you an extra two, three hours the night before or the night of to get perch, and, and you know, legally and enough to fish with when I can go out set my gill net for five seconds and get 70 shad to fish with for the all night and I'm giving four or five different boats bait because you know it, it right now the train there all the fish are kind of in a transition period um shad are just absolutely everywhere you can almost barely you know you can't keep your net in the water more than 10-15 minutes or you're going you know spend two hours cleaning your net um, right right and once once it starts to cool down and winter time comes it's going to be a little more uh hard to come by but you find a uh, you find anywhere in the river that the water temperature is raised a degree or two higher than what you know the normal river temperature the average temperature where you're fishing is and you should be able to find bait. Like I said, look look again for any type of rocks or structure that'll hold heat. The bait is going to gravitate towards that little bit of a temperature change. That's 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 a- excellent advice. Excellent advice. Uh, when you're out there and you're and you're trying to locate uh, that bait, uh, especially you know gizzard being such a a finicky bait with with you know their their sole mission is to try to find that warmest water stay alive and uh make it through the winter and uh, they definitely feel it as the the water temp starts to cool off uh, you know once once you get bait out on that river um is there is is there anything that you look for like let's say i'm a guy just started out river fishing um you know i'm headed to the james river uh you know what's what's some key pointers you know a guy might you know be scratching his head and and he's saying, you know, I don't know if I should come down here and fish, uh, go way down river and fish a hundred foot of water. I don't know if I should go way up river uh, and fish, you know, 15 foot of water. You know, do you have any theory on, on you know, as far as a pattern? Uh, you know, I know you're a guide and, and you spent a lot of time and, you know, we're not giving, we don't want to give any secrets away, but kind of help guys understand, you know, as far as pattern uh, you know, for this season, do you, is there any, is there any trend to what you see these fish doing in in the fall? 
hundred percent. Um, one of the things that I don't do as well as I preach, but take notes. Every time you go out, take notes, water conditions, temperature, current, you know, what tides you fish, what areas you fish, um, how many fish you catch, what baits you use, where you caught bait, as many, as much detail as you could possibly use. Cause right. I've probably got about three years worth of notebooks now and I can go back two years ago and I can see right around this time of year, exactly what the fish were doing. Right. And I could tell exactly what the weather was doing to, if we're kind of in a similar pattern, which from what I could tell, we're getting close. Um, the fish, if you were just to go out to the James River, first time ever getting out there and you were lucky enough to smack bait in the head and now you got a box full of bait, I, I'd say start with start with the channel ledge. Anytime in a transition period, start with the channel ledge. You know, one way or another, you're going to get some sort of information because you can put baits in the deep, you can put baits in the transition, and you can put baits up in the flat as long as you boat, you know, accordingly. And, and stay out of the channel use the ledge but you know it's just one of the things uh depth wise I, i'll be 100 percent honest i'm gonna make so many people mad i do not fish deeper than 30 foot ever right there's wow. no yeah to me, there's there's no sense in it the my theory is the fish that are deeper than that or hold up in deeper holes on this particular river. Now I'm not saying other river systems aren't completely different because I, I believe the James is a standalone river system. Sure. Uh, sure. It, 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 you can't even to some of our other local tidal rivers that have blue catch, you cannot compare the systems. They're just, they're so different. Um, but, but either way, it's, I feel like the fish that are deeper than that, usually the ones 40 to 80 feet deep or however deep they wanted to go. They're there for a reason and it's not to eat they're there because they've fed up they're full they're tired they're resting whatever they've got going on they're doing their best to get out of the current stay in a temperature level that is it's not going to fluctuate at all and it's just the easiest most relaxing spot they can find you know and yeah you might catch some fish that are coming out of that spot and, you know, I hear a lot of guys catching big fish in deep water here and there, and it's good for them. I just, that's just not what I'm going to go out and target. Um, right. And, and you know, uh, summertime, you see that, you know, a lot of guys that fish the bank have a lot of action and a lot of uh, success. Well, there's there's theory behind it. You know, they're fishing shallow water. Right. Their bait's all over the place in the flats summertime at night i'm gonna be shallow and i'm gonna be quiet and i'm gonna sit in one or two spots all night long right um, absolutely this yep. time of year and though it's starting to transition so they're starting to get uh more active but with that being said you don't want to go running all up and down the river yourself because you're just driving past fish you know you can I, i'm a firm believer in slow you know take it slow pay attention to as many details as you can and, and just every move you make needs to be very calculated. Absolutely. You know, you mentioned, you know, your confidence level is, is, is a shallower water game. And, you know, there's a lot of great anglers uh, that are out there. You know, if you listen to bass fishing seminars, I, I enjoy bass fishing myself. I, I enjoy learning about it. I enjoy listening to, to, to guys give seminars on it. 
And, you know, there's a lot of uh, the, the pros that are out there doing that. They'll say – you'll get one guy who says, I'm a, I'm a deep-ledge fisherman. I deep-ledge fish. That's what I do. And then the next guy will come up behind him, a successful angler, and his confidence level is not fishing deep. It's fishing 15 feet or shallower. And uh, I've heard it said a bunch of times, and it really rings true out here on the East Coast, uh, you know, on the James River and a lot of places where we're at. And really a lot of bodies of water is, you know, if you're catching bait shallow, you know, don't leave the buffet table, so they say. Yep. yep. <laughs> so it's amazing how many people will catch bait in 10 feet or shallower, and then they say, all right, we're going to go fish 60 foot of water. You know, I mean, there's, like you said, there's fish in 60 foot of water. They're there for a reason. If you put bait in front of them, you might have that opportunity to get, have one hooked up. But if you're catching bait uh, in a specific area, I mean, like you said, that, that might be a good place to uh, consider. Yeah, there's uh, one particular spot that I've caught bait at for years and drove in and out, in and out, in and out a hundred different times. Never even once considered to anchor up and fish it until one day just all the conditions were so terrible. They forced us in there. And I said to myself, we were anchored up. I was like, man, this is dumb. We've caught bait here for six years now. I don't know why we haven't even tried to set up here and fish. And it just, you know, the conditions don't present themselves or you, for whatever reason you don't consider it or you have other things on your mind. So eventually, you know, we ended up, every time I've done something like that, you end up really enjoying the results. Right. Absolutely. You know, if you try something different every time you go out, man, the, the type of anglers we would be three years from now, you know, um, and that's a good, that's a good example of that. And um, something that you had just mentioned just a little bit ago, Trey was uh, sitting on spots. Um, you know, when you're, when you're sitting on a spot, you'll get some guys who say, look, uh, I'm a fast type fisherman. We're going to sit on a spot 30 minutes. If we don't get a, uh, if we don't get a bite in 30 minutes, we're moving on. We're looking for something different. And then you've got some say i'll sit there for an hour two hours three uh, what do you find that you are most successful with is it is it moving spot spot jumping or is it marking fish putting bait on them and and waiting for that opportunity for that big fish to feed what what works best for you what do you see that works um generally i, I try to i mean all of that does sound you know great in a perfect world any of that um but I, I've just found over the years, I do not trust my electronics, whether they're, I haven't paid enough for them or I just don't trust them. Uh, if I'm marking fish half the time, I won't even anchor. Uh, I just move on to the next spot. And I don't know why, but that, you know, if I've marked marking a bunch of fish in one area, something has told me that they're just not my target species. Um, then, uh, you know, spot jumping works I think that's more of a winter tactic um, because the fish are a little more lethargic and they're not moving as much. Right. Any type of transition periods uh, and, and summertime, I like to bait and wait, you know, set myself up. I, I kind of try to look at the river as, a, as an interstate system. Main channel is your interstate. Then you've got off ramps and rest areas and, and different places that, you know, if you can picture like back channels and flats and 
uh, you know, stuff like that. I, I just try to relate it similar to that, and I'm going to set myself up on an off-ramp to a rest area with as many baits as I can present. Right. And I'll sit there until the time it makes me move, and then I'll get to my next spot or just reposition on the anchor, and I'll wait till the tide forces me to move again or we run out of time or whatever the case may be. Right. Uh, you know, and it's a slow process. You can go from no fish. I mean, uh, last weekend we fished two different spots one night. Um, the first spot we sat on till about midnight had a couple of, had a couple of bumps, but nothing, nothing spectacular, no fish moved out to a different spot that was uh the first spot was kind of shallow and a, a real low current situation and then i moved to a spot that was a little bit deeper with more current a little closer to the channel um and we sat there got anchored up probably about one o'clock by 1 30 we had three fish in the boat from 38 to 57 pounds wow wow so it's it's a mere like it was just, I mean, it's right place, right time. But if you can position yourself to be where those fish are going to travel through, you've got a way better, you know, a way better opportunity to land them versus if you're driving over top of them going to the next hole. Right. So, I right. mean, you put, you're putting baits in the water, you're putting smell in the water, and you got to trust nature to take over at a certain point. Yeah. So you're, you're, when you're when you're going at, when you're fishing the river you're you're pretty much looking to put your boat in between uh you know where you feel like they're going to start feeding up and, and in between the fish so you're you're trying to get on the highway or the like you described the off ramp or like you said the the main channel is the highway and then you know you've got these 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 off ramps you're trying to put your boat there to where they're going to travel back and forth on for for higher success exactly and That's, and I mean, once you, once you kind of find the depth range that they're feeding in, you can repeat that process up and down that river all night or all day long until that pattern changes. Right. Right. And you know, it's, it's interesting that you said, you know, you feel like a lot of this uh, electronics, you know, it seems like for you, there's, there's a lot of uh, gut uh, that comes into play. You know, you, you trust in your gut. Uh, you made the comment that if I mark a lot of fish, um, a lot of times I won't fish there. Uh, you know, that's I've heard that said several times. I've heard that from guys on the Mississippi River, they, uh, on the Missouri River. They've said that uh, their best spots, many times, they never, ever mark a fish. And, you know, I've heard a lot of people say who's fished the James River, they feel like they're fishing for uh, for phantom fish, you know. <laughs> Yeah, those are called striper, gar, white perch. Yeah. Virgin. Uh, <laughs> yep. Let's see. Yep, that's right. Um, yeah, honestly, I feel like if I see a whole bunch of marks on the screen, it's it's they're not feeding or they're not my target species or just something, you know, and I mean, you can tell the difference between an active school of fish. And I, I don't believe catfish, the trophies that we're targeting travel in schools maybe maybe a wolf pack of three or four like-sized fish but you're not going to find schools of big trophy catfish so chances are if you've got a school of fish under your boat it's not what we're looking for right you know i mean the, the food chain is 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 a real thing 
if a little catfish takes your bait as soon as it hits the bottom, that was the most dominant fish in the range of that bait. So he got to eat it. If there was a 50 pounder laying next to him, that little fish wouldn't have even been there. Right. Right. You know, he's on the menu too. <laughs> hey, yeah. Right. So, you know, I, I just, I just try to think of things as logically and as what I feel like it, it is good logical thinking as a fish would think, or, you know, I try to right. put myself into the, into the food chain, if you will. Right. So you're, you're, you're saying that, you know, from your experience, those big fish, uh, if you pull up and, and, and you throw that bait out and they're hungry, they're, they're definitely going to eat uh, that bait first over, over a lot of the smaller fish. And it sounds, you know, and, and you do see that it definitely seems like those smaller fish know that, uh, those bigger fish, they're bigger than them. And, uh, you know, they, they get first dibs and, uh, you don't, when you look at a, a, a trophy blue, you, you kind of think also they're not going to put themselves in the situation where they have to compete a whole lot. Um, you know, they're, they're out to get the freshest bait, uh, and to, and to dominate a specific area. So I could very easily see where a trophy fish wouldn't want to be around a lot of, a uh, smaller, uh, smaller size catfish I, I i could totally see that how they would be more of uh, of loners for sure well i, I was yeah I, that and i mean i was kind of leaning towards those smaller fish don't want to end up in the trophy fish <laughs> actually eaten yeah yeah, um, yeah. that's the thing uh i've been set up in a flat you know you've been out on the river and you can't turn the light on because the boat's already black with bugs. Like it's just the nasty yeah. night and all you hear is pop, 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 left a million pops all over the surface of the river. And you're like, oh man, it's where baits everywhere. No, it's not. <laughs> it's a bunch of, it's a million little teeny catfish and they're eating the bugs off the surface of the water. Right. So you have two options. You can wait them out or you can pull anchor and move. I've, uh, I've done both many times. The best, if you can wait them out and all of a sudden those bugs are still around, but those fish are not eating them anymore. They didn't all of a sudden get full. You just hang on. Cause one or all of your rods are about to go down. Right. And it, it, it's reality, man. We've had a couple of big fish roll into the flats. Those little teeny catfish stop feeding and disappear. And the next thing you know, you've got rods bent to the water. It's it's wild to, to actually sit and listen to it and watch it happen and, and, you know, be able to kind of put it together. Filming a lot of our stuff has kind of helped me pick up a lot of tips and stuff, too, just from, you know, the details of watching it back a few times. Absolutely. Yeah, and that's, that's, really, that's really a good observation, you know, what you said about the bugs and the, the catfish coming up and, and, and eating them and, and people thinking that it's bait. That's that's really paying attention to detail, especially when you're, when you're out to fish in nighttime. And, and that kind of brings me up to my next point. Uh, you know, during this time of year, when we're coming out of that heat wave um, for the river, especially the James river, you know, there's some uh, industry, there's some plants, uh, some manufacturing that's on that river that, you know, put out hot water. Uh, you've got the heat from the sun. Um, how does the, the daytime bite, uh, coming off the summer, going into the fall, uh, is it is it still s some chance of day bite? Is it not as great? 
is the nighttime predominantly better? The reason I say is because, you know, a lot of guys who fish lakes, they know uh, a lot of times it's either, you know, day or night. It really doesn't make a difference. In your opinion, uh, does it make a difference on the James? And is coming into fall, uh, does it improve one way or the other, daytime versus nighttime? I've always said the only reason we fish the night is to avoid the idiots in the heat. <laughs> yeah. I Seriously. honestly don't believe the day in the summer has any impact really on the, the fish on the James um, other than just general uh, more. It's more boat traffic. You know, you've got the, the go fast boats going up and down the river. You got wakeboard boats, jet skis, bass boats. You know, I mean, everybody's out and about. They start coming in uh coming in to put their pretty shiny boats on the trailer and make way for all of us catfish guys at night so it's a a happy balance there sometimes but i i spend all summer long saying i cannot wait to go back to day fishing it just i don't know something about it you can you have your bearings the whole time there's no there's no real issues with uh visibility most of the time except for the occasional foggy day stuff and the bite you know i I really don't believe it's impacted day or night you know i think that no matter what there's fish feeding on that river somewhere some at at any given moment right so the nighttime fishing is uh because there's a lot of people who believe you know oh catfish bite at night and uh you know that that's that's not entirely true that they're they're feeding during the daytime too there have been studies saying flatheads are more active. Than sure. Black. Absolutely. And, and I, I can see that. Absolutely. You know, but at the same time, blues, they're, they're kind of like the, the little brother that grows up to be that big brother. Yeah. yeah they, they, they just keep eating. It, it really doesn't matter. As long as there's not a big system right on top of them, they're feeding. Um, and it, it's just, it, they're either spawning or they're feeding. And they only spawn for two weeks a year. And some of them don't do that every year. Right, right. Well, when you, when we're looking and we're talking about uh, coming into the fall and, and getting in the daytime bite, there's less people that's on the water, you know, uh, enjoying recreational activities, joy riding. Those, those start to put them on the trailer. They start to winterize those boats. Uh, is there a certain uh, water temperature that you've noticed when that bite really starts to pick up when it's, uh, you know, a time where you tell your customers, Hey, this is, this is where it really starts getting good. Uh, this is kind of like our prime, uh, time. Is there a certain water temperature that you notice where that daytime bite really, uh, picks up and it's, it's just really good fishing. What, where, where does that fall? What, about what range, have you noticed that uh, that that happened? Honestly, I, I feel like the mid seventies is kind of the magic number for the the blues, and that's for for spring and fall. You know, right. mag, uh, mid seventies, seventy four. I think is usually right about the 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 dead on number for them to when they start locking up and start spawning and getting that whole process going, and and kind of as that temperature starts to drop in the fall. Uh, I mean, it's been, it didn't get too terribly hot this year. I think 89, uh, I say 89 is not too terribly hot. That's how how hot it was the last few years. But 89 
was uh, kind of the average for most of the summer. And it, we're down to 80 at this point. And honestly, for the fall bite, that magical uh, Justin Connor at the Benjamin Harrison Bridge bite, <laughs> you're looking uh, you're looking for about 68 degrees. That's and right. that's when they just put the feed bag on, and the, where they're not like flatheads, they don't go dormant just because it gets cold, or they're not. They are more lethargic, but they just counter that by eating more. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like right. it's kind of like the football player running down the field in the middle of winter time with just you know his workout gear on, and all you see is steam coming off of him. Right, cold and right. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And for anybody listening, when uh, Trey mentioned the Justin Connor moment fishing in front of the Benjamin Harrison Bridge, <laughs> he's talking about, what was it, last year or the year before last? It was three years ago, I think. Uh, it was three years ago. Justin Connor, who I actually spoke with today on the phone, we're going to be doing a, a podcast on him about targeting flatheads. Uh, he's an absolute beast when it comes to catching big flatheads and some big, and big blues. I mean, he, he can do it all, but Hey, he's got respect, uh, I can assure you. He's, he's good. Trey's referring to that time because Justin was anchored there. And, I mean, what did they catch, Trey? They caught a 90, yeah, 70s, uh, 80s, all back. I think they had 10 rods in the water and nine fish on. Um, Amazing. The, the smallest was 30 or 35. <laughs> and the biggest was, uh, I think, Nate had a 98. Yeah. Um, I mean, there was there was a perfect storm of of elements that caused that. Other than just right, I mean, it was one hundred percent right place, right time. That's Justin, right. <laughs> Justin's awesome at reading, you know, reading a body of water. And and I mean, I, I think him and Tabby, the first time they came down here, they were down here for a week before they even started putting baits in the water. You know, just up and down the river, up and down the river, learning right. that it, it was amazing to watch from afar. I wish I could have got a tracking device and uh, some type of microphone <laughs> that boat for that week. Yeah. Um, but either way, um, there was a whole lot of things that happened. There was actually a big giant container ship that went up river just before the tide changed uh, and just slaughtered bait. You know, it, it was, a, it was a, an entire, it looked like a fish kill um, floating down the river right there as the tide was turning. It, it, it was magic. You know, everything lined up. The stars aligned. It was a beautiful thing to watch. It was. It was crazy. I, I wish I knew how much because they went. They went Facebook Live, really, yeah. all these giants. I wish I knew how much money they brought to the Hopewell economy uh, with people <laughs> watching that live feed. There were a hundred people watching. I know most of them called out the next day and was like, "I know where that's at. I'm going fishing. We're gone." I know for the next three weeks, you couldn't get your boat in the water without an hour wait. <laughs> Any boat ramp, especially Jordan Point and Hopewell. And if you went a mile and a half away from the bridge, either upriver or downriver, you didn't see a soul the rest of the day. Right. That's it funny. was funny. I mean, I was dying. It was it was awesome. That's Whatever. that's funny. That's funny. You know, Trey, you had mentioned that the, the the barge ship that come through and, and for anybody who's listening, who's thinking about going out to the James, which it would be a great idea. Like I mentioned earlier in the podcast, uh, the James can be a tricky place. It can be a dangerous place. If you're looking to get out there and just kind of experience that water, uh, it's definitely advised to go with somebody, 
like like Trey, uh, somebody who's been out there who can show you the ropes, teach you how to safely navigate that river. And, and then also, like you pointed out, especially if you go at, at nighttime, don't fish in the middle of the channel. There are barges that go through there uh, that sneak up on you. And it it brings me to my next point, Trey. You know, uh, the barge bite, you know, it happens on the James. Is it coincidence? Do you notice where – is it coincidence or is it, like you mentioned, a shad kill? What's your opinion on the barge bite, how it affects uh, the the uh, the action of the fish? That's another one of those, uh, you know, maybe. Right. <laughs> kind of like Demon Dragon. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I use them both. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I believe the barge bite has, you know, it holds water because uh, in, in reality, uh, if you look at the tugboats that are pushing those barges, they have almost as much, if you look at their superstructure above the water, they have almost that much in propeller below the water. Right. Um, and I, I really believe those propellers churn up a lot of sediment, a lot of stuff, uh, chop up some fish here and there. And I mean, catfish might be, uh, the trophies that we look for might be the apex predators of the river at this point, but they still take an easy meal any chance they can get. So yeah i mean i i think something about the rumbling uh that those boats make and it's crazy because they're, they're dead silent until you actually make eye contact with them or you, you you lock eyes on the boat then the noise just comes out of nowhere um but yeah i, th- I mean i think i think there's it holds water you know i i've been known to sit on a spot and then say all right we're moving and I turn my head and see a barge coming around the corner and we sit there for another hour it it's paid off and, and it hasn't, you know, I mean, it's, yeah. it's one of those things. If there's fish in the area, um, maybe that noise might s- spook them and they run and just happen to chance upon your bait, or maybe they were looking at the bait and they hear the noise and interpret it as a, as a potential threat. So they grab the bait and take off. Um, right. you know, I mean, I could see where it, it, it might work. I'll sit on it until the wake, uh, passes the boat. And if I don't have, action by then i say it was a dud right right absolutely give it a little bit of time um you know uh, we we've covered a little bit of, of you know coming into fall you touched some on spring you talked a little bit about you know uh bait and you know what areas that you target for fish uh on the james river um my next question is, and then I'll ask you one more. I see we're going on 42 minutes here. It's easy to get long-winded when we're talking <laughs> about fishing. It's, it's yeah, funny. our phone calls are hours at a time most it, of the time. It does. Uh, one of the things that I wanted to, to get your opinion on uh, is fishing structure versus uh, fishing in places that you feel like the bait is, the bait's at, and uh, – you know, fish are going to come into, you know, I, the reason I come back to that is because a lot of times people say, man, you have to fix structure. You have to fix structure. The biggest fish are in the structure. Uh, and then, you know, you get opinions that say, uh, you know, those fish are going to be where the bait is and they're, we're going to fish this flat. Uh, you know, how important is it, do you think, to just fish structure all the time versus uh, fishing something like an empty flat uh, where the fish is going to cruise through? Uh, what's your take on that? And that's kind of where it goes back to structure being such a broad term. 
I mean, structure could be a dilapidated pier or it could be a pebble in a flat. Right. It could be a ledge or something like that. Or so, yeah. Like, like I said, I'm more apt to saying find the bait, find the fish. Um, a lot of guys have their quote unquote spots and they might be their spots for one reason or another. Uh, there was a few spots that had pretty tall brush piles. Um, but the thing about the James river being tidal and hurricanes and storms, and sometimes you'll have a two story brush pile. The next week you go out there after a storm, you'll have a flat. Right. It changes. Um, and then you'll have 30 brush piles down river from it. Right. So, you know, it's, it's, it's always changing with the current change and the tides changing and, you know, it, it changes so often. I honestly feel like, you know, the fish, the fish themselves are relating to all of the conditions as a whole, but each individual condition kind of adds to, you know, a piece of information or, or there's a why to it. That's right. And yeah, if it was a if it was a pretty nasty cold front that came through last night, tomorrow morning, my first spot would be in about uh, fifteen to twenty five foot of water, and I'd try to have a ledge, and maybe like a, a down tree or a pier or some pylons or something on the shallower side. And with that, you know, that type of spot, and I mean, even like a buoy marker, they have anchors in them or they have posts. And, you know, they are structure. So set up on anywhere that you can kind of cover as many options as possible, whether it's deep water, you know, hit deep water, hit the channel edge, the flat and hit the structure. Right. You set yourself up for more success if you can give yourself more opportunities at each spot. And, you know, like I said, everybody's kind of got spots, but I'm more into fishing areas because I know that these fish migrate they move with whatever conditions tell them to move. You know, if they tell them to go up river for whatever reason, that's what they're going to do. And you just kind of got to, that's why, you know, taking notes and, and having detailed notes helps you, especially on a river system. That's this, this, uh, con the only consistency on this river is change. Right. So, you know, with that being said, having notes and being able to reference, you know, whatever, I've got one spot that I'm telling you, I can't catch fish on unless it's March 9th at like eight 30 in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> and it doesn't, you know, it never fails. I fished it every, you know, every single condition I can think of other than that one day, never done anything. And I've gone into it with high hopes. I've gone into it knowing I wouldn't go catch it. It was just, I don't know. It's just some of those things that there was always one little detail that, made it all perfect right you know right. and i just try to find as many good good details to put together and that's kind of what i'm going to target that day or until something jumps out and says hey this is what we're really doing right absolutely you know i love what you just said and guys if you're listening that is so important it really is so important you don't fish spots you fish areas that is that's really where it's at that that applies to lake fishing river fishing anywhere you're at that's that really jump jumps out when you say that and uh how true that is if you if you focus on fishing areas that hold fish it definitely makes you a better fisherman than being on one spot hop so uh that's great advice trey well uh 
lastly, the last thing I'll, I'll get you to just kind of go over uh, just for somebody who's either getting into it or they say, I never fished the James. I don't know really what to gear up for to fish the James River. Can you go over a little bit uh, just briefly on what you use uh, as far as your uh, your tackle? Uh, you know, what what power rods you're using, what pound test, what size sinker, what size hook, uh, and, uh, you know, what type of anchor you're throwing. So that way a guy who's going out there, they know what to expect, what they need. <laughs> All right. Well, I've always said that if you have a weak spot in your gear, the James River will find it, it will exploit it, and it will embarrass you. That's true. Uh, no matter what it is, if it's a weak link in your anchor chain, if it's a, a nick in your line, if it's a, a weak hook or a dull hook or a frayed, you know, whatever, something is, it'll, it'll blatantly point it out to you in the most embarrassing of ways. That's true. <laughs> um, we use the, uh, the biggest anchor that Hurricane Anchors made. Uh, we got that from James Arwood over at Hooker's Terminal Tackle. And, uh, I mean, he's, you know, he's, he kind of jumped on board with me early on in in my, uh, you know, social media career, if you will. Um, and he's provided me with all my hooks. Uh, we're using the, the Mad Cat or XHD, which are, those are pretty brutal hooks. Uh, the hardest, the worst part about those hooks is getting the barb out of the fish. So that's a good prop to have. Um, we're using the big cat fever, heavy rods. And, and I'll be honest, I had a full on collection of medium heavies and I absolutely loved them and they'll handle any fish that you could hook on. I know they will in my heart. I know they will, but I went up to the heavies because when you have a 50 pound fish at the side of the boat and four or five hour current, that little extra in the backbone keeps the fish from under the boat and more beside the boat to make it so much better for netting. Absolutely. Um, and that's, that's honest to God, the only reason I went up to the heavies, I didn't think there was a need for them just cause you know, I mean, I'm, I love those rods. Yeah. Uh, but either way, um, I'm using the slime line, 60 pound mono and I don't even know. You just pulled me on here to talk about your stuff, man. That's awesome. Ah. I mean, honestly, I can't, I can't say enough good things about all of the gear I've gotten from y'all over the years. And it's, you know, the, oh man, I can't wait till that daggone uh, leader line is, is ready for everybody else. Yeah, we'll, we'll have some, uh, hopefully heavy cover will be released uh, this week. So uh, that's funny you mentioned that. That'll actually be coming out this week. We're excited about it. And guys, uh, for you as you didn't know, Trey, uh, was one of the first anglers that uh, that got some of the, the heavy cover because he fishes just some some brutal conditions. I mean, there's there's like he said, if you've got a weak link, the James River will find it, and and we knew that. And uh, Trey's out there a lot, and we knew Trey'd be a good good tester for that. So you mentioned the line. Are you using the high vis? Are you using the ultra clear? Or, uh, yeah. Which, okay. which style do you prefer? Well, I've got the high vis on my catfish stuff, and. Uh... Rick's actually got all of our bass stuff spooled up with the ultra clear. So we, uh, good deal. You get a little taste of both. And I mean, I, like I said, from 10 pound to 60 pound, I haven't found an issue yet. And they've, Great. You know, I've caught a lot of, a lot of fish. Uh, we're throwing 16 ounce sinkers and 90% wow. of the spring that we fish in. And that's just because wow. the, the size of the baits, we want our bait to stay where we put it. 
um, the fish that we're targeting, when they grab a hold of that bait, they don't even notice that 16 ounce singer swimming behind them. They don't. They never check up. You know, if you go into a lower current situation, uh, off into a flat or in a back channel or something like that, you you can downsize to probably, excuse me, to probably eight or a ten. But, um, you know, it, it's go big or go home. If you think you're over, if you think you've got too much, you don't. Uh, right. Go go the next step up. Uh, I'm using the squall, right. uh, the pin squall twenties, and, and I mean you can't complain about them. They're kind of it seemed to be bulletproof for the last two years. I don't abuse my gear, but I expect it to work every time. Sure. I go, you know, and it's, I don't know, I'm not the best on maintenance, but at the same time, I, I am meticulous with making sure things are put back the same exact way they're supposed to be. And it, it's just, it helps for when you have three rods go down, you know exactly where everything is and you don't even have to look for it. Just grab it out of, you know, instinct. Right. Um, I don't know. Uh, that funny story. I had some, some clients out on the boat The it was the day or the weekend after I got the heavy cover and Rick and I had tested it a little bit, but I was kind of being more of a, I don't know, Rick had said something that aggravated me. So I took one and I threw ah. it and I threw it all the way up to the bank and it landed in a tree that's kind of been laying in the water for a few years. And I was like, yeah, we're never getting that back. Never getting that back. Well, sure enough, that rod actually went down with a fish on it. And we ended up pulling a 62 pounder to the boat with a four foot. It was like four foot by three and a half inches, four and a half inches around uh, top of that tree and <laughs> wrapped in the leader. Line. <laughs> it was the most awkward and enjoyable fight to watch. That's funny. That is <laughs> funny. I can only imagine uh, the struggle uh, that is to reel in a, a half a tree and a, I fish that size. <laughs> it was it was amazing, and then I just I, I I'm pretty sure I made a post about it, but I was blown about it. It, it was just like, man, I cannot, I can't believe that happened. You know, that, I was being be kind of being a jerk about it to do it, but then it's just the irony of it paying off like that. I was like, that is amazing. That is that is awesome, man. That's that's that is why we sent you some of that heavy cover leader line because we knew you'd put it to work, and uh, I love hearing stuff like that. I really do. I these podcasts this is this is this is what i love the most i love hearing stories i love talking to guys uh just like trey i mean who, who go out there they put their time in and 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 they really promote catfishing and and they make us all proud and trey i appreciate all the information that you've shared i feel like anybody who's thinking about coming out and fishing the james river or, or really fishing other uh, bodies of water you know there's a lot of stuff that's in there that we talked about that they can apply it to their body of water so i want to thank you so much for for coming on the catch fever fishing podcast and trey uh tell us one more time say your guide uh your guide business and the number or how they can contact you do you have social media pages you know what what's what's a way that a guy can get a hold of you to get a, a trip booked oh yeah uh Let's see, there's fishingwithfat.com. Uh, that's no G and two T's, as Matt Miles would say it. Uh, huh. that, it's, that's how it's spelled. It's We go fishing. We don't go fishing. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Um, I've got, you know, Trey Thorpe is my personal page on Facebook. Then I've got uh, Fishing With Fat as my, you know, God service page. 
and YouTube channel and pretty much everything's pretty, you know, pretty easy. Feel free. Any questions or, you know, anything you want to, I'm generally an open book. You know, I've put my time in, but at the same time, I can give you all the information I know and you still might not catch a single fish, but I'll be more happy to tell you everything. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. You know, I don't know. I, I love CMP. As long as I know you're going to throw them back, I'm not going to keep much from you. That's right. That's right. That's, that's why they call it fishing. You can tell them exactly where you're biting them the day before, but that doesn't mean they're going to be there that day. So Exactly. Um, but yeah, I've got a, um, Instagram fishing with fat LLC. Um, we're licensed by U.S. Coast Guard for an official guide service as of the last two years. And, you know, I mean, that's when I got it started and everything. And it's been a process, but it's definitely it, it's crazy when I enjoy watching somebody else catch their personal best better than me at a certain point. You're right. You're uh, absolutely right. It's pretty awesome. And I mean, like I said, uh, Facebook Messenger, YouTube, Instagram all of them uh email on the website fishingwithfat at gmail.com uh we can get you booked we can get you some information or help you out with bait make sure you can pay in the buying a tournament or something you know I mean, we, there's two tournament series that have been running pretty consistently on the james lately and we like to get you know as many folks out to those as possible because it's, it's generally a great time and a whole bunch of guys out there having a having a good time absolutely Absolutely. That's what it's all about. That's what it's about. Well, good deal, Trey. Well, thank you again for sharing your information with you. And guys, go go check out Trey Thorpe. Go check him out on those social media pages. Give him a buzz. Get on the boat with him. And uh, he's got a lot to offer. And uh, he'll definitely um, uh, show you a good time. And more importantly, uh, you'll leave uh, from fishing with Trey knowing uh, a lot more than when you came. And that's that's the stuff that's invaluable. Thank you so much, Trey, for being a part of the podcast today. And, guys, we appreciate you listening to the Catch the Fever Fishing Podcast, where our goal is to help you catch more and bigger fish. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. We look forward to seeing you on the next one. And uh, y'all have a great night. Thank you, Trey. Thank you, Caleb. It was a pleasure, man. I appreciate the opportunity. Yes, sir. Thank you. Have a good one.